Well, the reading this morning is from Luke chapter 24, and we're going to read verses 36 to 49. You'll find that on page 1062 in your church Bible. That's Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. Just to fill in the background, after Jesus' death, the disciples are meeting together in Jerusalem, when two of Jesus' followers come to tell the disciples they have just spoken with him on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appears to his disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ruth. Well, it's lovely to be here with you at St. Mary of Bethany. Is it called Smob or just St. Mary of Bethany for short? Yeah, brilliant. Um, Should we just bow our heads and I'll pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and we pray that you will speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us afresh this morning as we consider these remarkable events of your resurrection from the dead. Amen. Then if you heard the story about the, uh, the man who was very excited to go with his wife on holiday to the Holy Land, he'd never been there before, so excited to visit all these places he'd read about in the Bible, and then suddenly his wife said, do you mind if my mother comes as well? Well, it wasn't quite the holiday he was expecting, having to go with his mother-in-law. Anyhow, tragically, uh, while they were there in Jerusalem, uh, suddenly the mother-in-law dropped dead. So he went to a funeral director, and the funeral director said, well, he said, we can do two things. Uh, He said, we can can, uh, make sure the body is returned to the UK at vast expense, cost about £10,000, or we can do a lovely ceremony here. We can find a very nice place to bury your mother-in-law. So he said, yes, we'll go for the first option. I'll, I'll have her sent back to the UK. 
funeral director said, are you sure, sir? He said, because it's very expensive and we can do a very nice ceremony here. He said, you don't understand. He said, 2,000 years ago, somebody died and rose again. I can't take that risk. <laughs> well, on a more serious note, there was a, a very well-known lawyer called uh, Professor Sir Norman Anderson who wrote quite extensively about the resurrection. And uh, he made a very special study of the evidence for the resurrection. And he and his wife, um, Pat lived to see their three children die. Absolute tragedy for them. And just a week or so after his son Hugh died at the age of 21, uh, he was uh, a student, a brilliant student at Cambridge. He died of cancer at the age of 21. Four days later, he gave the address on Fort for the Day on Radio 4. And this is what Professor Anderson uh, said He was explaining why he was convinced that God had raised Jesus from the dead. He continued, On this I am prepared to stake my life. In this faith my son died after saying, I'm drawing near my Lord. I'm convinced that he was not mistaken. Both Anderson and also actually the son-in-law in the first story, they understood the vital implications of Jesus' resurrection. If Jesus really did defeat death on that third day, then Hugh's life was not at an end. In fact, he was making a glorious new start. So I want to encourage us from the passage that Ruth read for us from the end of Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 49, and I want to just share three convincing proofs of the resurrection that I think are a real encouragement, and they all begin with P, actually. Um, the physical, physicality, prophecy power. The physical resurrection of Jesus, the physicality of these readings is really striking. Uh, the prophecy, the fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus really focuses on in the second part of the passage. That's really encouraging. And then the power of the resurrection that's evident uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit. So those are the three things I want to touch on this morning. And I hope that they will encourage us um, afresh. I'm sure that for most of us, none of these are new uh, but they're so evident in this passage, and I think they're a real encouragement. So first of all, the physical resurrection. Jesus appears physically. There's a real emphasis in this passage on physicality. So verse 36, we read that while they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. A real emphasis that Jesus is a real physical being. Uh, he showed them his hands and his feet, feet, verse 40. Verse 41, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it in their presence. So what this passage does is it really challenges the reader to make a decision about whether we really believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples, on which the Christian gospel stands, I want to suggest, or do we believe that he was some kind of ghost or phantom or hallucination or maybe a figment of the imagination because they so wanted to believe that Jesus was still with them. But actually, it was nothing more than imagination. It, it wasn't real. Uh, and that's what the secular society around us would contend. That's the explanation that they would give. Or to put it another way, are the resurrection appearances objective and real or are they subjective um, and just the product of a human mind. Four arguments that I want to put forward for the physical and actual resurrection that just arise from this passage alone. There are many more arguments uh, than these. 
um, and they're there on the screen. First of all, it's so interesting that the resurrection appearance really surprised the disciples. The disciples, the context of this reading is that the disciples were gathered together discussing Jesus' appearance to the two disciples who were walking to Emmaus. They had run from Emmaus back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that they had encountered the risen Lord. And they were discussing this. And even though they had heard these reports of Jesus' resurrection, uh, when Jesus appeared to them, they seemed to be genuinely surprised. Um, They were full of fear and fright. We read in verse 37, they had initial doubts, verse 38, and in verse 41, Jesus challenges them about their disbelief. It's quite clear the disciples did not expect to see Jesus again. This was a total surprise. Um, There's a very, very common explanation for the resurrection that we come across in secular society today. It was invented by the disciples um, in order to make clear that the Christian faith is not a failure. It didn't end in the tragedy of Jesus' death. No, there was Jesus' resurrection. Uh, most, most secular people, one way or another, or most non-Christian people, will hold to that view. You can't really hold to the view that Jesus physically rose from the dead and not be a Christian. That's a pretty difficult view to hold. So most people will hold to the view um, that the disciples made it up in some way uh, in order to give their faith some credibility, uh, some stability, uh, some sustainability. But that really isn't credible when you look at these accounts and you see that they were not expecting Jesus Uh, to rise. They were so surprised and in fact they were full of fear. And it's interesting, um, there was a study done by N.T. Wright who was Bishop of Durham and is a great theologian uh, and he wrote a book about that thick called The Son of God and in it he demonstrates that nowhere in Jewish belief at the time was there the belief that a single person would rise from the dead. There was actually no belief um, in in Jewish circles in the first century Uh, that the Messiah would come and there would be an individual resurrection. They believed in a corporate resurrection, the whole of Israel would rise. There was absolutely no belief in an individual resurrection. So to say that these disciples created this story of the individual resurrection of Jesus is just implausible. These were simple fishermen, tax collectors. Um, And to assume that they created this account Uh, of the resurrection of an individual, something that had absolutely no parallel in their society um, is not credible, it would seem to me. So that's the first piece of evidence. The resurrection um, surprised the disciples. Secondly, the resurrection appearances um, of Jesus didn't simply involve individuals. These weren't just sort of um, single people experiencing Jesus uh, these were groups of people. In this case, well, we know the 11 were there, but there were others as well because there were those disciples from Emmaus, there were women. It was a large gathering uh, of people. Now, if you're to say that these resurrection appearances can be put down to sort of hallucinations or, or the imagination, that might hold water if we're talking about individual people encountering Jesus. But here we're talking about groups. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 that, At one time, Jesus appeared to over 500 people at once, uh, all having the same encounter with the risen Jesus. Um, That seems to really strengthen these resurrection appearance claims as an objective uh, experience. Thirdly, the experiences um, involved a wide cross-section of people. Um, So, as I've said, some people with very little education, like fishermen, uh, others tax collectors, Women who were the first to encounter the risen Jesus. Jesus entrusted the message of the resurrection to women at the empty tomb. 
um, which is really interesting because, as you probably know, uh, women's testimony wasn't counted in a court of law, so it wasn't particularly trusted uh, by the wider society at that time. Um, and you had people like Thomas, who was a, you know, known to be a sceptic, somebody who asked questions uh, when incredible claims were made. So Jesus appeared to a very wide uh, cross-section of people. And then fourthly, um, it's interesting that the resurrection appearances, they happened at different times and in different places. An afternoon walk from Jerusalem, uh, just a couple from uh, walking to Emmaus, an evening gathering in Jerusalem in this case, uh, other, other times and places um, in Galilee, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So I believe that this passage alone, just these few verses, provides us with great evidence and sure proof that Jesus' resurrection is real, his body uh, is physical, Luke underlines that many, many times, and that these appearances are an objective experience of a physical reality. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And it's absolutely fundamental um, because it's evidence of Jesus' divinity. Jesus really is the Son of God. Um, secondly, um, it shows us that the cross is not a tragedy where Jesus was arrested and killed as a result of maybe political motivations. But actually, uh, the cross is the point of the greatest victory, uh, where Jesus died for the sins of the world and God's forgiveness might be made available to all who repent and long for it. But also, it shows us, just like Professor Anderson was sure in that Fought for the Day interview, that there is life beyond the grave, that this life is not the only life, that the God who created us loves us and he loves us so much that he died so that we could be with him in his kingdom forever. And that's wonderful news. So that's the first encouragement, the physicality, the reality of the resurrection. And I want to suggest that if the church, if those in the church start to weaken their faith on the objective reality of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, the whole foundations of our faith will start to crumble. Uh, because... Um, it's on that that we can be confident that Jesus is the Son of God, that we can be confident that the cross is effective for the forgiveness of our sins, that we can be confident that this life is not the only life, but we have a glorious kingdom uh, with Jesus to come. Uh, second encouragement, and uh, it's another piece of evidence for the reality of Jesus' divinity, for uh, the effectiveness of his death, and for the objective reality of his resurrection, and that is the fulfillment of prophecy. So we read in verse 44 that Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I wonder what particular passages of the Old Testament of the Jewish scriptures Jesus shared with them. Um, I'm going to make a guess, and I think he probably covered these, but we can't be sure. Um, but I, I, did, I did find when I came to faith as a teenager, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy is such an encouragement. It's such a compelling reason uh, to believe in all that Jesus said and did, all that set out in the New Testament. So Psalm, uh, Isaiah 53, 
It's probably uh, one of the places uh, that Jesus started. Um, very, very famous suffering servant song. Um, and this is what we read. We read uh, that God's suffering servant, um, God's chosen one, uh, often seen as a messianic figure, would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Uh, that's just a couple of verses from Isaiah 53. There are a number of suffering servant songs in Isaiah, and uh, they all in different ways point uh, to Jesus' life, and particularly to his death uh, and his defeat of death in the resurrection. I think another scripture that Jesus is likely to have quoted and to have unpacked to them is the 22nd Psalm. And there are any number of psalms, actually, that we could go to that point to Jesus. But the 22nd Psalm um, is quite extraordinary in the way that it looks ahead to the crucifixion. Um, so the figure in the 22nd Psalm is the, is the suffering righteous one, um, a figure that was seen as a messianic figure that God would bring in the future. Um, and the psalmist looks ahead in verse 16 of Psalm 22 to the crucifixion of the Messiah, saying, uh, Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. They cast lots for my clothing. Quite an extraordinary allusion to a crucifixion uh, that was probably a thousand years after the psalm was written. So, uh, quite extraordinary. Now, there are many, many references in the Psalms. Uh, I've put up there Psalm 23, actually, is, a, is another one. Very, very well-known psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who goes through the valley of the shadow of death, but then comes out of the valley of the shadow of death and talks about um, being in God's house forever and eternity. Uh, there are some other references I've put up there. I mean, we could. there are hundreds. Um, I find Exodus chapter 12 so interesting. That's the Passover. Um, and how Jesus, at a number of moments in his ministry, talks about himself as, as the Lamb of God or the, or the Passover Lamb. Jesus was killed at Passover. The first Passover, the lambs were killed. The blood was daubed on the doors of the Israelite homes. And it saved the firstborn from dying. Um, and there's just so much rich imagery there that helps us understand the significance of Jesus' death. Um, and seeing Jesus as the second Passover lamb, as the one who fulfills all that happened to that first Passover, but for the whole world, is a really, really helpful way of, of understanding uh, Good Friday and Easter. But it's a real encouragement for us. Uh, Jesus, whose blood um, was shed uh, so that we might be forgiven and we might be saved from death. Um, I've put a few others up there that so we haven't really got time to look through now, but um, you can look through at your leisure if you like. Jeremiah 31, 31 where Jeremiah prophesies that there will be a new time, there will be a new covenant, there will be a new testament, which won't be based on the law, but it will be based on God's grace and God's forgiveness. And of course, that was fulfilled in Jesus' death and his resurrection. Um, Ezekiel, particularly Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones, and that prophecy that the dry bones that are dead will come back to life, um, pointing ahead to what God would do in Jesus. Daniel chapter 7, this extraordinary um, vision that Daniel has of the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven to defeat the evil on earth and to establish God's kingdom. Well, what was the title that Jesus used most of all in his teaching? It was the Son of Man. He was claiming to be that heavenly figure who came from heaven to earth to defeat the evil on the earth and to establish God's kingdom forever. And then Hosea, Hosea uh, chapter 6, very specifically um, relates to Jesus' resurrection because he prophesies, Hosea prophesies, on the third day, God will restore us. 
that we may live in his presence. So a uh, specific reference to restoration. So um, the scriptures are full of prophecies about Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And I imagine Jesus shared some of these and probably many other scriptures with the disciples when he was with them. And I think it's a huge encouragement. For me, when I was a teenager and I was looking into the evidence for Christian faith, seeing the fulfillment of scripture, not just these, there are hundreds of texts, really uh, encouraged me and really helped me um, in my faith. Third and finally, uh, the third piece of evidence uh, here for the resurrection that I think is an encouragement to us. We've uh, looked at the physicality of Jesus' resurrection. We've looked at the fulfillment of prophecy. Thirdly, um, power, the power to witness. Just at the end of this passage, um, Jesus talks about uh, power coming to witness to his death and resurrection. Um, We read this in verse 47. Jesus talks about repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, Jesus says to his disciples, and I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Stay uh, in the city until you've been clothed with power to witness to his death and his resurrection. Um, Well, I want to suggest that uh, this is a point that relates directly to us today because Jesus' Holy Spirit wasn't just given to those first disciples, given to everybody who puts their faith and their trust uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this commission was not just for those disciples, it's actually for all of us. It's amazing to think that actually uh, that commission to preach to all nations, starting in Jerusalem, uh, was fulfilled just in a few years, wasn't it? Um, And it's continuing to be fulfilled today. Uh, Notice that the power comes from repentance. So the forgiveness that Jesus offers us is actually conditional. We always talk about unconditional love, and I do believe God loves us unconditionally. But we do do need to repent and uh, turn away from our sins in order to receive uh, the forgiveness uh, of Jesus. Um, And when we receive that, we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and we will receive this commission to go and witness to all that God has done on the cross in his resurrection uh, to the ends uh, of the earth. Um, And in this church in particular, I know that you've got lots of opportunities to witness Jesus' love um, in the community. I was uh, in correspondence with Mark the other day just hearing about some of the great opportunities that you have through the week, through the Bethany Babes, Mums and Toddlers, which I think is happening on two mornings or two sessions in the week um, which is absolutely fantastic I know that those sessions from my own experience as a vicar um, are really significant and are a great opportunity for people in the congregation to serve to get involved and actually to share uh, to share faith um, heard about we've heard about this morning about the monthly all together services I've uh, got one coming up in a couple of weeks I think great opportunity to not only get involved in helping prepare uh, and plan that service and maybe to deliver that service but also to invite people to it I, I imagine it's a service that's going to be very accessible uh, for newcomers um, to hear uh, the message of Jesus I was also hearing about the, the fun club at uh, Barnsbury School heard a bit about that earlier as well um, and how I think um, that there's a leader that's all kind of set to go but there's uh, t- a team needed a great opportunity to witness um, and uh, uh, to witness to Jesus' name So I'm going to stop there, just with those kind of three points that come from this passage. I hope they're an encouragement to you. They certainly are to me. Um, And they just provide evidence 
uh, concrete evidence that is persuasive and that is powerful uh, for Jesus' resurrection, the physicality of his resurrection. This is an objective event. This is not uh, a figment of imagination. Um, it, these are events, death and resurrection, that are prophesied in Scripture. That's a great encouragement. Do look at some of these Scriptures that are fulfilled by Jesus. Um, and they're events that relate to us today because God has given us not only the power of his Holy Spirit, but also the commission to witness to his love in our community. May God bless you all.